Good evening, everybody. We'll continue to discuss the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. A couple more points to be made on the uh, 42nd Anucheda. Uh, this Anucheda dealing with the fact that the Lord's form can manifest in innumerable places at the same time. He has that ability. Uh, the praman, primary praman or evidence in support of that, that Jiva Goswami has put forth, has been a verse from the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam 69th chapter, wherein Narada Muni is expressing amazement in seeing that the Supreme Lord was manifest in all the palaces of his 16,000 wives simultaneously and that he also married 16,000 wives at the same moment in 16,000 palaces. Jiva's already brought out the fact that that amazement on the part of Narada needs to be carefully considered because Narada himself is not only a great devotee, but being a devotee, he has attained other spiritual attributes, and one of those is he himself can manifest different forms, so he can be in two places at once due to his mystic opulence. Even though he himself can accomplish this mystic city, uh, he's amazed by Krishna's manifestation because he sees there's a difference between what he can do and what Krishna can do. These forms, these manifestations, these expansions are technically referred to as Prakash and they're not like his Narayan or Vasudev expansions. In this way, this is from the 69th chapter of the 10th canto. In this way, it is said that Devarshi Narada saw the same Sri Krishna present in every palace, executing the virtuous religious duties met for the purification of married couples. Also to be noted is great yogis can expand themselves into many forms. And the example is given of uh, Sabara Muni. That he expanded himself into 50 forms so that he could marry 50 wives of uh, King Mandata. So the Lord's forms are explained to some extent in the Lagu Bhagavatamrita of Srila Rupa Goswami. In his transcendental abodes, the Supreme Lord expands in different ways, namely Swayam Rupa, Tad, Ekatma Rupa, and Avesh. Swayam Rupa is his original form, sometimes two arms, sometimes four arms. Uh, Tad Ekatma Rupa, they're non-different in nature from the original form, but they have different personalities and pastimes. So, like Lord Rama, he has, the, he has a different personality than Lord Krishna. And his pastimes manifest that personality differently.
Now within Tade Katmarupa you have the Vilas uh, division, like Narayan, Matsa, Korma. Then you also have Aveshrupa, and these are empowered entities. They have the same power as the Supreme Lord. Not all of his power, generally speaking, in Avesh has some power bestowed upon him. Examples would be Sesha, Narada, Sonika. We also see and accept uh, that uh, our spiritual master, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada, was an Avesh. He was empowered by Lord Nichananda. Nichananda Avesh. At least this has been brought to our attention by Sridhar Swami, his godbrother. He saw this in his character, this empowerment. This is not this is not an, a normal a normal outreach that's happening here. This is an extraordinary outreach and in order for this to be seen there has to be some special empowerment. So this is referred to as a Veshrupa where somebody is actually empowered with uh, the Lord's potencies. In that particular instance, in speaking of Prabhupada, we're talking about the outreach capacity of Lord Nityananda. His going to the, being sent by Lord Chaitanya to go to the, uh, those that are most, most in need, lacking any qualification whatsoever. So we can see it's a specific empowerment, a special empowerment, this Avesh. Prakash, uh, manifestations of Krishna's Swayam Rupa, his original form, for the Rasa dance and the wedding, uh, the weddings in Dwarka. So these are Prakash manifestations of Swayam Rupa, the Swayam Rupa form of the Lord. Uh, the four-handed forms, Swayan Rupa, should not be considered different. They're not, they are a full manifestation of the Supreme Lord. Uh, and we can see that uh, in the uh, Leela of Krishna and Dwarka, when he was in a, uh, a joking mood with one of his queens, Rukmini, they were having an argument, and she fainted in the middle of the argument. Uh, she couldn't take the thought that he was he was joking so seriously that she didn't recognize it as joking anymore. <laughs> she took it as, he wants to leave me. He's trying to get rid of me. He's saying I should marry another man. And she took it seriously, and she fainted at the thought of it and Krishna immediately had to manifest another two two arms to catch her <laughs> so that's related in the Bhagavad now when he manifests his four-handed Narayan form or Vishnu form that's not Swayam Rupa though those are four-handed forms and those are the Tadikatma Rupa um, they have a different personality and uh, they have different pastimes. The pastimes of Lord Narayan are not the same as, as Krishna's pastimes.
All right, so we'll go to the next Anacheta, 43. Uh, Sri Krishna is the Paramatma. Uh, this Anacheta, it kind of, there's two Anachetas together, 43rd and the 44th, which stress this same point, that Sri Krishna is the Paramatma. In this way, it is said that Devarshi Narada saw the same Sri Krishna present in every palace, executing the eternal religious duties bent for the purification of married couples. Narada saw Krishna in all the various palaces in Dwarka. He was in one form, not in many forms, expanded by Kayavyuha. Kayavyuha is standard mystic opulences. Is not, it is not that the form of the Lord was inferred, but rather Narada directly experienced seeing him with the power bestowed upon him by the Lord. So in other words, Narada has had a mystic revelation. It's not that he just said, well, Krishna is here, and then I went to another palace, and I, I saw him there, and I went to another palace, and he was with his son, and another palace he was having a meal in another palace he was having a philosophical discussion with Uddhava in another palace he was smelling the head of his child no he, it was more than that is what is being brought out here by Jiva he had a power was bestowed upon him where he could although he went to different palaces he knew Krishna wasn't running there ahead of him <laughs> To, to to trick him into thinking he was in this palace. It's not that Krishna was, you know, popping up in different palaces just to, to trick his devotee. So he had, a, he had a, a revelation of the fact that Krishna was actually doing these things simultaneously, different activities in the different palaces. So his curiosity aroused, this is in this, uh, another verse in the Bhagavad, uh, 69th chapter Narda, Narda his curiosity aroused the sage gazed repeatedly and was, was filled with wonder at this extraordinary display of yoga maya potency in hearing in Sri Krishna which is where his yoga maya potency is whose prowess is infinite so furthermore, these firms were not kaya-vyuha, we've discussed this, like the ones manifested by yogis. The term yoga-maya here, this is again back to the Anucheta, Jeevas relaying to us, the term yoga-maya here, because Narda's used this term, well, Sukadev's used this term, that is, Narda's interest was, was at a peak here, so Sukadev is using this term yoga maya. And Jiva's bringing out this term yoga maya here refers to the chit conscious potency or the potency inhering in God's own in interiority, internal. It's his own internal potency. Or in other words, it is the interiority of non-dual being. The nature of this conscious potency is that it accomplishes otherwise impossible tasks. Krishna's yoga maya is beyond our comprehension. Not beyond our comprehension, but beyond our, our way to, the way we would relate to a potency. And Sridhar Swami also, in commenting on this particular verse, explains that the word yoga maya means chit potency 
when used in relation to the Lord. It can accomplish things that a material energy cannot accomplish. And it, it can accomplish them simultaneously. So in the material world, we're familiar with different potencies, different energies. They work in accordance with material laws, the functioning within the universe these different energies work in that way, like a heat energy, electric energy, light energy, magnetic energy. But the Lord, without recourse to such expansions, now a material, what's being referred to is analogous. The Lord's expansions are not analogous to the material expansion of Kaya Vyuha, which is the the yogic siddha. Now the same jiva also says this same understanding is given to us from the Bhagavad Gita. Everywhere is hands and legs. It should also be understood to mean that the Lord pervades everything in his personal form. That's what jiva brings out from the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita where it says everywhere are his head, hands and his legs. All around are his hands and feet, his eyes, heads, faces and ears. In this way, Paramatma exists pervading everything. So this, now we're coming to, this, to the point where we're seeing the fact that even Paramatma is seen as being Krishna directly. One should not misconstrue this verse to mean that he pervades all things merely as formless, formless, undifferentiated being. Underlying all forms, or that he does so through the living beings who are present everywhere. We shouldn't misunderstand what's being relayed here as indicating that, well, God's everywhere by his all-pervasive, all-pervasive feature of Brahman. That's not what Jiva's trying to say. Or we should see that God's everywhere because every living entity is an expansion of him. That's not what's being relayed here. Both these things are true. He does pervade everything by his undifferentiated Brahman aspect. And he does... The jivas, his expansions, vibhinamsa, those expansions of him, the jivatmas, are also unlimited, uncountable. But that's not what is being relayed. Rather, the precise understanding is that he pervades everything in a single personal form. Sarvam avritya tistati, that he exists everywhere. To further corroborate this point, Jiva Goswami quotes three sutras from the Vedanta Sutra, the Brahma Sutra, and also a commentary by Sri Madhvacharya on the first of these three. Brahma Sutras or Vedanta Sutras. So the Brahma Sutra says, 
Because the Lord simultaneously exists everywhere, his various forms exist in different places, his various forms existing in different places are not different from one another. This has been explained in the following way by Madhvacharya. The innumerable forms of Paramatma are not different, despite their existence. They're existing in different places separately. He implies because his forms abound everywhere. He is a Sanskrit H-I. The Vedas confirm this. In this way, the Lord exists in all beings. And the Machapurana states, Undoubtedly, there is only one Supreme Lord Vishnu present everywhere, although existing in one form by his yogic opulence, he appears as manifold, like the one side sun viewed as many. And then Madhvacharya goes on to quote a verse from the Bhagavatam to support his point. Being free from the delusion of duality, I have come to understand that Krishna, who is sitting before me, is one. Though unborn, he appears in the hearts of all embodied beings who have been manifested by him. Just as the sun, though a single orb, appears differently in everyone who looks upon it. That's from the ninth chapter of the first canto. And Bhishma is talking. Now in the next Anucheta, we're going to enter more deeply into Bhishma's prayers at that at the time of his leaving the body. Uh, here ends Madhvacharya's comments. Madhvacharya summarizes this point with the following verse. The Lord, who is the supreme controller, is not different, though existing in different places simultaneously. Everywhere he is completely free from defects and possesses all transcendentally auspicious qualities. Shuddha Jiva Goswami here is, is bringing us to a level of, of understanding the nature. This is the Bhagavat Sandarbha, and we're learning of the nature of Bhagavan. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Subjate. So these aspects, now he's, he's showing through evidence that different manifestations of the Supreme Lord should be seen as the Supreme Lord. It's not that they're different. Although they do different things, it's one supreme personality of Godhead. Next, Anocheta. So now we, now we're going to see Jiva Goswami utilize some prayers by Bhishma Dev. Uh, these prayers were in the uh, ninth chapter, and we can remember the circumstance. A little history here, Bhishma. Dave, of course, was fighting in the battle of Kurukshetra, and he was on the opposite side from Krishna and Arjuna and the Pandavas. And um, after ten days fighting on the battlefield, Bhishma was confronted with uh, Sekundi. Now, 
we might think that this whole transgender thing is new to humanity and, and new, but actually that's not the case. So this personality who appeared on the battlefield, Sukundi, of course was a, a Kshatriya fighter, but he'd been a woman and he was blessed by a Gandharva to become a man. Well, just like today in human society, we see there some people will not accept gender change. Bhishma had some of that going on in his character. And being a Kshatriya, his thought was, well, I can't fight with a woman appearing as a man. So he didn't accept that it was a complete transgender change that Sukundi had received. So he stopped fighting right then. And Arjuna pounced. He saw that, you know, here, Bhishma's reframing, and I'm never going to get an opportunity like this, and he completely covered his body with arrows. Just, there was a moment there where Bhishma stopped, and Arjuna took advantage of that. So this is ten days into the fighting. Now Bhishma also, he got himself got some benedictions, just like he didn't change sexes, <laughs> but he got some benediction, and his benediction is, I forget how he received it, but he could choose his moment of death. He was riddled with arrows, and he said, well, I guess this is as good a time as any to just let things play out. And But he didn't leave his body for... He thought he he wanted to leave at a very auspicious time, and the next auspicious time was at the moment moment of the uh, winter solstice. So, at the moment of the winter solstice was fifty two days away. <laughs> so when we hear that Bhishma laid on a bed of arrows, it was not for a couple hours. He remained for fifty two days on the bed of arrows, his body riddled with arrows for 52 days, so that he get this, he could leave exactly at this suspicious moment of the winter solstice. This is from the Mahabharata, these particulars, and then from the Bhagavatam we find out that Yudhisthir was, at the battles ended, and he's won, and he's, he just, he can't deal with his, his winning. He's feeling, he's, he's remorseful. He can't accept his kingly duties. The remorse has got the better of him. And he's feeling, I, look at what I've done. For simply to win a kingdom of man, I've killed so many people and made so many <coughs> wives, sonless and husbandless. So he's lamenting, and uh, Krishna recommends, well, maybe you should talk to Bhishma. 
he's a uh, he's a pretty special guy. In fact, um, he's one of the twelve great authorities on Bhagavad Dharma. So if anybody can tell you what your Dharma is at this time, what you should do to to move past this because it's definitely got a hold on you, this concept, and you being very dharmic, you want to do the right thing, you think you've done the wrong thing, you want to atone for that or or rectify it in some way, then let's go talk to Bhishma, he's an authority. So they went to speak with Bhishma, and uh, Bhishma dealt with uh, the lamentation of uh, Yudhisthira, and he was also, Krishna went along with them, so he was granted a final darshan of Krishna. And at that time, he relayed prayers. So as we're finding out, there's a lot to these prayers as far as Siddhanta and the truths of, of spiritual life. Now Jiva is going to tap on Bhishma's prayers to bring out philosophical points that he feels that are a necessity for us in having a full understanding of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Bhishmadev said, Being free from the delusion of duality, I'm now free from duality, I have come to understand that Krishna, who is situated before me, I'm seeing him right here, is one. Though he is unborn, he appears in the hearts of all embodied beings who have been manifested from within him. Just as the sun is one, though appearing, appearing differently to everyone. We'll go through the commentary and we'll bring that out. So this particular verse was was an evidence from the last Anucheta wherein Jiva used verses from the Vedanta Sutra and Madhvacharya in commenting on the first of those Vedanta Sutra verses uses this verse to support the conclusion. Jiva Goswami now gives his own rendering of what Bhishma is saying. So he's first of all used the evidence that Madhvacharya used to support the Vedanta Sutra verse and now he's going to give his own presentation of, a, of what Bhishma is saying, elaborating it in his own words. Bhishma is saying, this Sri Krishna who is sitting in front of me is present in the heart of every embodied being by his plenary portion as Paramatma. But now I have understood him to be one. Bhishma said, the, the cloud of duality has lifted now. Now I'm seeing everything without duality. But now I have understood him to be one, having a single form, even though he seems to have separate forms 
when he resides in everyone's heart as Paramatma. This supremely blissful form of Krishna is itself all-pervading. Having realized this, now I am free from the delusion of duality. Viduta Beta Moha. Delusion of duality. The conclusion here. Under the delusion of duality, one considers the Paramatma manifestation to be different from Krishna's original form, Swayam Bhagavan. Or that Paramatma in each heart is different. Your, you have your Paramatma, I have my Paramatma. Krishna confirms this way of seeing things to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. Sarvashya chaham hridi sani visto matash mritir janamapohanam cha vedas chasavaraham eva vejo vedantakrit vedavid eva chaham This is Krishna speaking. Krishna doesn't say somebody else is in the heart of every living entity. Sarvasya chaham hridi sani visto. I, Krishna, I am seated in everyone's heart. From me comes remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. You can learn of me from the Veda. And if you really want to know the purport of the Veda, I know it. So, hear from me. So, this entire section of the Srimad Bhagavatam, in this section of the prayers of Bhishma Dev uh, to Lord Krishna, um, texts 30 through 43 is speaking about Bhagavan's personal form, not the unqualified Brahman aspect of the Absolute Truth. So all Bhishma's prayers are speaking of Swayam Bhagavan, Brahmati, Paramatmati, not Bhagavaniti Subjate. Due to assumptions regarding the nature or form and formlessness, conventional limitations, one cannot conceive of the Lord's personal forms being all pervaded, pervading. By mercy, one can realize that the Lord exists everywhere. Such a person is called a Bhagavad, or a worshipper of the complete personal non-dual absolute. Viduta Veda Moha free from the delusion of duality, means to be free from the mistaken idea that the Lord's forms are many in number. In other words, to awaken to the vision of unity within all the Lord's forms. Bhishma is not alluding to Krishna and the Jiva as being one, but to the oneness of Krishna sitting directly before him and Paramatma seated in, within each heart. So then the example is given from the verse of the sun. There's one sun, but it's seen as differently situated. 
To one person, it's a big red ball just coming up over the horizon. To another person who's situated differently, it's seen as a little white ball in the middle of the sky. So these different visions of the sun are also there when we have a mentality of duality brought on by material existence. An alternative ex explanation of the verse is as follows. Now another explanation. I now realize that the form I described earlier as sitting in front of me is also in the heart of every living being. Although the form of Paramatma is different in appearance from this form that's sitting in front of me, Krishna, at present I am seeing this self-same form present in all those hearts. The import of that, the import is that because of the supreme influence of this form, no other form can be perceived in its presence. This illustration is given to show that the Lord's form is one, even though present in different places, and not to show the completeness or incompleteness of one form or another. Some explanation. Bhishma, his revelation, He's seeing Krishna in front of him and is seeing that that form is not different from the Supreme Lord who's situated in everyone's heart. But his revelation, now that he's come to the platform of non-duality, he's not seeing the different manifestations of the Supreme Lord. In other words, the Paramatma measures this high within the heart and has four arms holding four symbols and manifests in a particular way and has a crown, you know, the dress, everything of Paramatma is different than the form of Krishna which is sitting right directly in front of Bhishma. But Bhishma Dev is seeing not only the Krishna sitting in front of him, he's seeing that same form manifested in the hearts of all living entities. So the point is, this revelation that Bhishma Dev's experiencing is not to saying one form's better than another, but what's it telling? What is it saying to us? It's telling us Bhishma has so much attraction for this one form of Krishna that Krishna is manifesting. He's seeing only that form of Krishna wherever he looks, even in his state of non-dual consciousness. Much could be said about this in regards to the relationship that one has with the Supreme Lord. So that relationship the power of his loving relationship allowed him to see that same form as the Paramatma form. So now, a, a sadhu may say, 
you replace Paramatma with Krishna in your heart. What's he mean when he says that? They're the same Supreme Personality of Godhead. What he's saying is the conception, the manifestation of the Lord that you bring into your heart through association with me, through hearing from me, is that form of Krishna, that Istadeva, that is Krishna in Vraj, which is what I am imparting to you is that manifestation in relationship with the loving loving mood that you're developing in my association so it's this it's a subtle thing but it's significant in our understanding of what's being said here by jiva goswami the first view is krishna and paramatma are one that one can arrive at that viewpoint from what's being said here the second view is Krishna actually saw Sri Krishna and not Paramatma in the heart of every being this is indeed amazing due to the powerful influence of Sri Krishna's personal feature Dev did not see Paramatma in his own characteristic feature he was completely absorbed in seeing Krishna's personal form and thus saw one Krishna everywhere. So his above, his, his absorption, didn't, didn't allow him to see anything except that form wherever he looked, even though Paramatma manifests differently. Now let's also look to the way Sukadev Goswami opens and closes this section of the discourse in the Bhagavatam. So before Bhishma's prayers, Sukadev says the following, Beheld with unblinking eyes, Sri Krishna, the Supreme Person, who was present before him in his forearm form, clad in shining yellow robes. The point being stressed here by Sukadev Goswami is we're talking about the Bhagavan manifestation of the Absolute Truth, not a, a manifestation of Brahman. Again, Jiva's coming back to this, driving home this post continually regarding the proper understanding of the Brahman manifestation of the Supreme. And he closed also, also, signifying the personal form of the Supreme. So the verse after Bhishma Dev's prayers. Absorbing himself in the self, himself in the self, Sri Krishna, through the functions of his mind, speech, and body, he gave up his life force. In this way, since Bhagavan's form, this is Jiva again, in this way, since Bhagavan's form is simultaneously limited and unlimited, the verse of Bhagavad Gita he is movable and immovable, is highly relevant to the present context. So, though the Lord is all-pervading, his pastimes in the human-like form are real. He's movable and he's unmovable. In other words, he can manifest in a medium-sized form and move about 
but he's everywhere, which leaves no room to go anywhere because he's 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 all pervasive. If it was all pervasive only, then how could he have any leela? He couldn't move around. He couldn't move about. Again, we come back to the Sankaracharya viewpoint that the Supreme is only all-pervasive. So again, this is one of the reasons they can't accept the Leela as the Absolute except as an imposition upon empiric reality. And that misconception, it completely blocks any possibility they would have for engagement in devotion because what's to love in something that's without movement, without form, without something to relate to, like a medium-sized form? Any questions? Thank you so much for your association. Thank you.